You are listening to the Auditory Entertainment's production of Creatures of the Light by Sophie Wenzel Ellis. Performed by Miranda Johnson. Part 4, The Conclusion. They were on a flagged terrace, arched with roses of gigantic size, which sent forth billows of sensuous fragrance. Eve led him to a white marble seat, piled with silk cushions, on which she reclined her superb body, while she regarded him from narrowed lids. I saw your picture that he sent to Athalia, she said. What a botch Dr. Mudson has made of this mating! Her laugh rippled like falling water. <laughs> I want you, John Northwood. Northwood blushed furiously. Smile dimples broke around her red, humid lips. Oh, you are so old-fashioned. Her large, beautiful hand, fleshed more tenderly than any woman's hand he had ever seen, went out to him appealingly. I can bring you amorous delight that your Athalia could never offer in her few years of youth. And I'll never grow old, John Northwood. She came closer until he could feel the fragrant warmth of her tawny, ribbon-bound hair pulse against his face. In sudden panic, he drew back. But I'm pledged to Athalia, tumbled from him. It is all a dreadful mistake, Eve. You and Adam were created for each other. Hush. The lightning that flashed from her blue eyes changed her from seductress to angry goddess. Created for each other? Who wants a made-to-measure lover? The luscious lips trembled slightly, and into the vivid eyes crept a suspicion of moisture. Eternal Eve's weapons. Northwood's handsome face relaxed with pity. I want you, John Northwood, she continued shamelessly. Our love will be sublime. She leaned heavily against him, and her lips were like a blood-red flower pressed against white satin. Come, beloved, kiss me. Northwood gasped and turned his head. Don't, Eve. But a kiss for me, John Northwood, will set you apart from all your generation and you shall understand what no man of the Dark Age could possibly fathom. Her hair had partly fallen from its ribbon bandage and poured its fragrant gold against his shoulder. What do you mean? What would I understand? That mental and physical and spiritual contact with me will temporarily give you, a three-dimensional creature, the power of the new sense, which your version of the human race will not have for fifty thousand years. White-lipped and trembling, he demanded, Explain. Eve smiled. Have you not guessed that Adam has developed an additional sense? You've seen him vanish. He and I have the sixth sense of time perception. The new sense which enables us to penetrate what you of the Dark Age call the fourth dimension. Even you, whose mentalities are framed by three dimensions, have this sixth sense instinct. Your very religion is based on it, for you believe that in another life you shall step into time 
or as you call it, eternity. She leaned closer so that her hair brushed his cheek. What is eternity, John Northwood? Is it not keeping forever ahead of the destroyer? The future is eternal, for it is never reached. Adam and I, through our new sense, which comprehends time and space, can vanish by stepping a few seconds into the future, the fourth dimension of space. Death can never reach us, not even accidental death, unless that which causes death could also slip into the future, which is not yet possible. But if the fourth dimension is future time, but if the fourth dimension is future time, why can one in the third dimension feel the touch of an unseen presence in the fourth dimension, hear his voice even? Thought vibration. The touch is not really felt, nor the voice heard. They are only imagined. The radioactive waves of the brain, of even you dark-aged people, are swift enough to bridge space and time, and it is the mind that carries us beyond the third dimension. Her red mouth reached closer to him. Her blue eyes touched hidden forces that slept in remote cells of his being. You are going into eternal time, John Northwood. Eternity without beginning or end. You understand? You feel it? Comprehend it? Now for the contact. Kiss me! Northwood had seen Athelia vanish under Adam's kiss. Suddenly, in one mad burst of understanding, he leaned over to his magnificent temptress. For a split second, he felt the sweet pressure of baby soft lips, and then the atoms of his body seemed to fly asunder. Chaos held him for a frightful moment before he felt sanity return. He was back on the terrace again, with Eve by his side. They were standing now. The world about him looked the same, yet there was a subtle change in everything. Eve laughed softly. <laughs> it's puzzling, isn't it? You're seeing everything as in a mirror. What is left before is now right. Only you and I are real. All else is but a vision, a dream. For now, you and I are existing one minute in future time. Or, more simply, we are in the fourth dimension. To everything in the third dimension, we are invisible. Let me show you that Dr. Mudson cannot see you. They went back to the room beyond the terrace. Dr. Mudson was not present. There he goes, down the jungle path, said Eve, looking out a window. She laughed. Poor old fellow. The children of his genius are worrying him. They were standing in the recesses formed by a bay window. Eve picked up his hand and laid it against her face, giving him the full, blasting glory of her smiling blue eyes. Northwood, looking away miserably, uttered a low cry. Coming over the field beyond were Adam and Athalia. By the trimming on the blue dress she wore, he could see that she was still in the fourth dimension for he did not see her as a mirror image. A look of fear leaped to Eve's face. She clutched Northwood's arm, trembling. I don't want Adam to see that I have passed you beyond, she gasped. We are existing but one minute in the future. Always Adam and I have feared to pass too far beyond the sweetness of reality. But now, so that Adam may not see us, 
We shall step five minutes into what is yet to be. And even he, with all his power, cannot see into a future that is more distant than that in which he exists. She raised her humid lips to his. Come, beloved. Northwood kissed her. Again came the moment of confusion, of the awful vacancy that was like death, and then he found himself and Eve in the laboratory, following Adam and Athalia down a long corridor. Athalia was crying and pleading frantically with Adam. Once she stopped and threw herself at his feet in a gesture of dramatic supplication, arms outflung, streaming eyes wide open with fear. Adam stooped and lifted her gently and continued on his way, supporting her against his side. Eve dug her fingers into Northwood's arm. Horror contorted her face, horror mixed with rage. My mind hears what he is saying, understands the vile plan he has made, John Northwood. He is on his way to his laboratory to destroy not only you and most of those in New Eden, but me as well. He wants only Athalia. Striding forward, like an avenging goddess, she pulled Northwood after her. Hurry, she whispered. Remember, you and I are five minutes in the future, and Adam is only one. We are witnessing what will occur four minutes from now. We yet have time to reach the laboratory before him and be ready for him when he enters, and because he will have to go back to present time to do his work of destruction, I will be able to destroy him. Ha! Fierce joy burned in her flashing blue eyes, and her slender nostrils quivered delicately. Northwood, peeping at her in horror, knew that no mercy could be expected of her, and when she stopped at a certain door and inserted a key, he remembered Athalia. What if she should enter with Adam in present time? They were inside Adam's laboratory, a huge apartment filled with unusual apparatus and cages of live animals. The room was a strange paradox. Parts of the equipment, the walls and the floor, was glistening with newness, and part was molding with extreme age. The powers of disintegration that haunt a tropical forest seemed to be devouring certain spots of the room. Here, in the midst of bright marble, was a section of wall that seemed as old as the pyramids. The surface of the stone had an appalling moldiness, as though it had been lifted from an ancient graveyard where it had lain in the festering ground for unwholesome centuries. Between cracks in this stained and decayed section of stone grew fetid moss that quivered with the microscopic organisms that infest age-rotten places. Sections of the flooring and woodwork also reeked with mustiness. In one dark, webby corner of the room lay a pile of bleached bones, still tinted with the ghastly rays and pinks of putrefaction. Northwood, overwhelmingly nauseated, withdrew his eyes from the bones, only to see in another corner a pile of worm-eaten clothing that lay on the floor in the outline of a man. Faint with the reek of ancient mustiness, Northwood retreated to the door, dizzy and staggering. It sickens you, said Eve. And it sickens me also, for death and decay are not pleasant. Yet nature left to herself reduces all 
to this. Every grave that has yawned to receive its prey hides corruption no less shocking. Nature's forces of creation and destruction forever work in partnership. Never satisfied with her composition, she destroys and starts again, building, building towards the ultimate of perfection. Thus it is natural that if Dr. Mutson isolated the life ray, nature's supreme force of compensation, isolation of the death ray should closely follow. Adam, thirsting for power, has succeeded. A few sweeps of this unholy ray of decomposition will undo all of Dr. Mudson's work in this valley and reduce it to a stinking holocaust of destruction. And the time for his striking has come. She seized his face and drew it toward her. Quick, she said. We'll have to go back to the third dimension. I could leave you safe in the fourth, but if anything should happen to me, you would be stranded forever in future time. She kissed his lips. In a moment he was back in the old familiar world, where right is right and left is left. Again the subtle change wrought by Eve's magic lips had taken place. Eve went to a machine standing in a corner of the room. Come here and get behind me, John Northwood. I want to test it before he enters. Northwood stood behind her shoulder. Now watch, she ordered. I shall turn it on one of those cages of guinea pigs over there. She swung the projector around, pointed it at the cage of small, squealing animals, and threw a lever. Instantly, a cone of dark mephitis shot forth, a loathsome, bituminous stream of putrefaction that reeked of the grave and the cesspool, of the utmost reaches of decay before the dust accepts the disintegration of atoms. The first touch of seething, pitchy destruction brought screams of sudden agony from the guinea pigs. But the screams were cut short as the little animals fell in shocking, instant decay. The very cage which imprisoned them shriveled and retreated from the hellish, devouring breath that struck its noisome rot into the heart of the wood and the metal, reducing both to revolting ruin. Eve cut off the frightful power and the dark cone disappeared, leaving the room putrid with its defilement. And Adam would do that to the world, she said, her blue eyes like electric shot icicles. He would do it to you, John Northwood. And to me! Her full bosom strained under the passion beneath. Listen! She raised her hand warningly. He comes! The destroyer comes! A hand was at the door. Eve reached for the lever, and at the same moment Northwood leaned over her imploringly. If Athelia is with him, he gasped, you will not harm her. A wild shriek at the door, a slight scuffle, and then the doorknob was wrenched as though two were fighting over it. For God's sake, Eve, implored Northwood, wait! No, she shall die too. You love her! Icy, cruel eyes cut into him, and a new fleshed hand tried to push him aside. The door was straining open. A beloved voice shrieked, John! Eve and Northwood both leaped for the lever. Under her tender white flesh, she was strong. In the midst of the struggle, her red-humid lips approached his, closer, 
closer. Their merest pressure would thrust him into future time, where the laboratory and all it contained would be but a shadow, and where he would be helpless to interfere with her terrible will. He saw the door open, and Adam stride into the room. Behind him, lying prone in the hall where she had probably fainted, was Athalia. In a mad burst of strength, he touched the lever together with Eve. The projector, belching forth its stinking breath of corruption, swung in a mad arc over the ceiling, over the walls, and then straight at Adam. Then, quicker than thought, came the accident. Eve, attempting to throw Northwood off, tripped, fell half over the machine, and, with a short scream of despair, dropped into the dark path of destruction. Northwood paused, horrified. The death ray was pointed at an inner wall of the room, which, even as he looked, crumbled and disappeared, bringing down upon him dust more foul than any obscenity the bowels of the earth might yield. In an instant, the dark cone ate through the outer parts of the building, where crashing stone and screams that were more horrible because of their shortness followed the ruin that swept far into the fair reaches of the valley. The paralyzing odor of decay took his breath, numbed his muscles, until, of all that huge building, the wall behind him and one small section of the room by the doorway alone remained whole. He was trying to nerve himself to reach for the lever close to that quiet, formless thing still partially draped over the machine when a faint sound in the door electrified him. At first he dared not look, but his own name, spoken almost in a gasp, gave him courage. Athalia lay on the floor, apparently untouched. He jerked the lever violently before running to her, exultant with the knowledge that his own efforts to keep the ray from the door had saved her life. And you are not hurt, he gathered her close. John. I saw it get at him. She pointed to a new mound of moldy clothes on the floor. Oh, it is hideous for me to be so glad. But he was going to destroy everything, and everyone except me. He made the ray projector for that one purpose. Northwood looked over the pile of putrid ruins, which a few minutes ago had been a building. There was not a wall left intact. His intention is accomplished, Athalia. Let's get out before more stones fall. In a moment they were in the open. An ominous stillness seemed to grip the very air. How dark it is, John! Dark and cold! <gasps> the sunshine projector, gasped Northwood. It must have been destroyed. Look, dearest! The golden light has disappeared, and the warm air of the valley will lift immediately. That means a polar blizzard. She shuddered and clung closer to him. I've seen Antarctic storms, John. They're death. Northwood avoided her eyes. There's the sunship. We'll give the ruins the once-over in case there are any survivors. Then we'll save ourselves. Even a cursory examination of the moldy piles of stone and dust convinced them that there could be no survivors. The ruins looked as though they had lain in those crumbling piles for centuries. 
Northwood smothering his repugnance, stepped among them, among the green, slimy stones and the unspeakable, revolting debris. Staggering back, faint and shocked when he came upon dust that was once human. God, he groaned hands over his eyes. Alone in a charnel house. The laboratory housed the entire population, didn't it? Yes. Needing no food or sleep, we did not need houses. We all worked here under Dr. Mudson's generalship, and lately under Adams, like a little band of soldiers fighting for a great cause. Let's go to the sunship, my love. But Daddy Munson was in the library, sobbed Athalia. Let's look for him a little longer. Sudden remembrance came to Northwood. No, Athalia. He left the library. I saw him go down the jungle path several minutes before even I went into Adam's laboratory. Then he might be safe, her eyes danced. He might have gone to the sunship. Shivering, she slumped against him. Oh, John, I'm cold. Her face was turning blue. Northwood jerked off his coat and wrapped it around her, taking the intense cold against his unprotected shoulders. The low gray sky was rapidly darkening, and the feeble light of the sun could scarcely pierce the clouds. It was disturbing to know that even the summer temperature in the Antarctic was far below zero. Come, my dear, said Northwood gravely. Hurry! It's snowing! They started to run down the road through the narrow strip of jungle. The death ray had cut huge swaths in the tangle of trees and vines, and now, Areas of heaped debris, livid with the colors of recent decay, exhaled a mephetic humidity, altogether alien to the snow that fell in soft, slow flakes. Each hesitated to voice the new fear. Had the sunship been destroyed? By the time they reached the open field, the snow stung their flesh like sharp needles, but it was not yet thick enough to hide from them a hideous fact. The sunship was gone. It might have occupied one of several dark, foul areas on the green grass, where the searching death ray had made the very soil putrefy and the rocks crumble into shocking dust. Northwood snatched Athalia to him, too full of despair to speak. A sudden terrific flurry of snow whirled around them, and they were almost blown from their very feet by the icy wind that tore over the unprotected field. It won't be long, said Athalia, faintly. Freezing doesn't hurt, John, dear. It isn't fair, Athalia. There never would have been such a marriage as ours. Dr. Mudson searched the whole world to bring us together. For a scientific experiment, she sobbed. I'd rather die, John. I want an old-fashioned home. I want to grow old with you and leave the earth to my children. Or else I want to die, here and now. Under this kind, white blanket, the snow is already spreading over us. She drooped in his arms. Clinging together, they stood in the howling wind, looking at each other, hungrily, as though they would snatch from death this one last picture of the other. Northwood's freezing lips translated some of the futile words that crowded against them. 
I love you because you are not perfect. I hate perfection. Yes, perfection is the only hopeless state, John. That is why Adam wanted to destroy, so that he might build again. They were sitting in the snow now, for they were very tired. The storm began whistling louder, as though it were only a few feet above their heads. That almost sounds like the sunship, said Athalia drowsily. It's only the wind. Hold your face down so it won't strike your flesh so cruelly. I'm not suffering. I'm getting warm again. She smiled at him, sleepily. Little icicles began to form on their clothing, and the powdery snow frosted their uncovered hair. Suddenly came a familiar voice. I got... Dr. Mudson stood before them, covered with snow until he looked like a polar bear. Get up, he shouted. Quick, to the sunship. He seized Athelia and jerked her to her feet. She looked at him sleepily for a moment, and then she threw herself at him and hugged him frantically. You're not dead! Taking each by the arm, he half dragged them to the sunship, which had landed only a few feet away. In a few minutes, he had hot brandy for them. While they sipped greedily, he talked between working the sunship's controls. No, I wouldn't say it was a lucky moment that drew me to the sunship. When I saw Eve trying to charm John, I had what you American slangists call a hunch, which sent me to the sunship to get it off the ground so that Adam couldn't commandeer it. And what is a hunch? but a mental penetration into the fourth dimension. For a long moment, he brooded, absent-minded. I was in the air when the death ray, which I suppose is Adam's devilry, began to destroy everything it touched. From a safe elevation, I saw it wreck all of my work. A sudden spasm crossed his face. I've flown over the entire valley. We are the only survivors. Thank God. And so, at last you confess that it is not well to tamper with human life and human evolution. Northwood, warmed with hot brandy, was his old self again. Oh, I have not altogether wasted my efforts. I went to elaborate pains to bring together a perfect man and a perfect woman. He smiled at them whimsically. And who can say to what extent you have thus furthered natural evolution? Northwood slipped his arm around Athalia. Our children will be more than geniuses, Doctor. Dr. Mudson nodded his huge, shaggy head. The true instinct of a creature of the light. You have been listening to the Auditory Entertainment's production of Creatures of the Light, written by Sophie Wenzel Ellis, performed by Miranda Johnson. If you have enjoyed this performance, please subscribe, leave a comment, or a review. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Auditory Entertainments. Thank you for listening.